From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki Itzkowitz, and on today's show, how an ultra-Orthodox Hasidish woman found her place in the Instagram blogging sphere as Razie's Cookin', and why she doesn't see her lifestyle and her job as a contradiction. It is easy to take someone who looks and dresses like Razie Freed at face value. The truth is, she is all of the things you assume she'd be, and also so much more than meets the eye. This is a great peek behind the curtain of a beloved kosher food blog and lifestyle page, and a story of how one woman found her footing. I'm a lifestyle blogger on Instagram, and um, I also have a boutique style marketing agency where we um, service clients with, you know, a lot of different things, but we specialize in social media managing and campaigns. So you manage the social medias of other companies? Yeah, that's, that's part of the work that we do within my marketing agency, sort of. That's very cool. And you are a lifestyle blogger, like you said. Um, I am a big fan of your Instagram, Razy's Cooking, because it's always filled with such easy recipes, especially for someone like me who cannot cook. I am completely useless in the kitchen, and I always find that your recipes are ones that I can follow. So I do appreciate that, by the way. Thank, Thank you. It's very yes. useful. Very, very useful. Um, and what, it, what would you say sets your blog apart from other, you know, lifestyle blogs are a dime a dozen? Why would you think that yours sticks out? Um, hmm. I think it just sticks out because it's me. The same reason why I am different than somebody <laughs> in the crowd if I was meeting together with friends. Like, what makes you different from your friend? It's just that it's me. That's it. It's so <laughs> uh, authentic. So I really so try to, I try to put myself um, and be true to myself, but it's not just with, with, with how I look and when I speak, but even when it comes to the recipes, I try to share recipes that I would do. I know how to do these complicated seven step, um, 15 hour recipes and I've done it. But do I want to do it every day? No. When If I see a recipe and it's too complicating, I'm like, okay, forget about it. Just buy. I'm, I'm not even trying. So I, I don't want to post anything like that. Um, that's one. Number two is many times, like, I enjoy opening cookbooks and trying different, you know, cuisines and different things. But do I serve that on a general basis at home? No. Day to day, I like to focus on classics standard recipes, things that I ate growing up or just like things with a little twist, but there's nothing like, um, you know, the ingredients aren't very different. It's not stuff that you won't uh, recognize. Um, so that's what I try to stick to. And that's why I think people enjoy the recipes off the page because it, it, it's, you know, it's easy and um, familiar. stuff I have in my house. It's always mm-hmm. things that I've heard of. It's always things that I don't need to go searching for some random ingredient, which is always great. You mentioned, um, you know, the kinds of things that you ate growing up. What were you like growing up? What was your family like? I think look at me pretty much the same. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm not a little bit more modernized <laughs> than my family because it's just true. Um, 
especially if, you know, if you are from where I come from, you would be able to identify the little nitty-gritty details. But basically, um, pretty much the same. What we ate, a very Hungarian-style, Heimish-style food. Um, Heimish meaning, it's just, oh, forget about it. I'm not even going to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> Heimish is a little bit of a hard word to Forget describe. about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Heimish is a little bit of a hard word. But what, what Heimish yeah. translates to is, you know, I, you know, when you think of very traditional European Jewish food, so it's usually things like potato kugel and chicken and things that are just True. really the, the, the real traditional classics. Mm-hmm. Um, and the for problem is yeah. why I said that I'm not explaining it because I once had last year we did on my page basically I, I did like a whole show where I met different women in Gourmet Glot which is a supermarket. Uh, they have a few branches in Lakewood and Brooklyn but I um, take care of the marketing of the Lakewood branch and we had like this whole thing where we would chat together two women and one of the women she was she's a Syrian I think and she, she asked me what Hamish is and what it's all about and it was all recorded and I posted it. So like I kept on getting these messages and different opinions and it just got into a whole big thing of like, what does Hamish mean? Because to everyone, it means something else. Right, because it it's, mean- it's so traditional based. Meaning if your family comes, like like you said, you're, you come from a more Hungarian background. I come from a more Polish background. And those are different foods. There's different things that are associated with that. Right. And the different people define it differently. For anyone who exactly. doesn't know, we should probably say um, that you would consider yourself Hasidish or ultra-Orthodox, right? Yes. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't know, there's a lot of different type of Jews out there, um, but the type There's a lot of, of different Hasidim out there. <laughs> that's true. There's a lot of different everyone, which is part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast was to talk to people of all different types, not just Jewish women, but all types of women. And um, when you, when you like think of Jews in the media, like when you see someone who's like playing a character and they're stereotypical Jewish and they have like the long um, sideburns and payas on the side of their head and the furry the curly pies, yes. Exactly. Those are Hasidim for anyone who doesn't know. Um, yes. And it is a more insular community. And yes, the whole lifestyle is more, you know, less assimilated. It, it's not just, it's, it's not just the way we dress, but it's, it's a whole lifestyle. Right, right. What would, I would imagine that being a blogger is not necessarily what someone would consider a part of that lifestyle. Very, yes, definitely. It's a, definitely a very unconventional thing that I'm doing. And not necessarily does everyone in my community support me in that. Um, not that they're not nice about it, but it's just um, it's just a little different. But I, you know, how much you look at me and you see, oh, I'm so true to myself. So it seems like, oh, I'm this, you know, classic Hasidish woman. I'm really not because I'm a, I was always, especially from where I come from, a very out-of-the-box person. I'm creative. Um, I just out of the box <laughs> and I've always been this way. So um, in a way, what I'm doing is, is, is not something that you won't find many Hasidisha women on Instagram, you know, out there with their face. Um, they're there, they're watching, um, but they're not uh, putting themselves out there in this way. So in a way, you know, it's, it's different, but in a way it's sort of like, it's, it's not the first thing that I've done that's been so different. Like, the whole school system I struggled with just because I was a little different. Um, what was the first loved, time that you realized that you were a little bit different? 
Like, what was the first thing that you did or that you thought or that you said and you were like, I think slightly differently from the people around me? That's a very good question um, because I don't don't remember exactly the first time, but I can definitely – it's probably – I think it started all like the way I thought and realizing that I'm the one that, that, that having these thoughts and having these out of the box um, opinions and, and just like wanting, being curious about how other people live their lives and who says that's wrong and who says that's not, who says we're right, whatever it is. Yeah. All these thoughts that would bother me and I would see my friends were totally fine with just following along and they, it didn't, that's when I realized I'm a little different. I'm wired a little differently. So it used to irk me. You know, I went through the whole phase where, you know, first I thought everyone was crazy, only I was normal. And then, and then I started hating myself and I decided that I am crazy and I hate the way my mind works because it was just, it was painful having all these, you know, it's not that I didn't like where I come from or I wasn't happy. It was just, I'm a deep thinker and, um, I don't take things at face value necessarily. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that because, you know what, it got me to such good places. But at a young age, I hated myself and my mind for that. I was like, you know, I wish I could just be stupid and happy like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would but be then, easier if I could just accept this. Everyone else around me seems to be accepting, exactly. accepting this. Exactly. And by the way, it's in, it's in every area of life. It's not just in Judaism. Judaism was very hard because, you know, it's, it, I come from a very traditional uh, um, home, but it's not just, even just, even just the mitzvahs, even just the Torah, all the things that we observe, um, you know, I challenged everything. I wanted to understand, and it's not a problem because there is explanations for everything out there. Um, so once you get the answers, it's not a problem, but you do feel different when you're the only one, not the only one, but you're among people that don't, um, they don't question, they don't right. need the answers, that are just happy with just following along. But it wasn't just in Judaism. It was with everything. It was with self-growth with um, my personality, not accepting it the way it was, uh, wanting to change, wanting to be different. Um, so many, so many examples. I can go on and on and give you examples. But like, so I went through that phase of just like hating, just wanting, like looking around and seeing, you know what, being a wise guy, it's not necessarily making me happier. So, you know, I wish I would just like be stupid, you know? <laughs> Right. <laughs> Not no, to it's... say that other people are stupid, but that's the way I felt. Like, what's wrong with you? But Baruch Hashem, um, thanks God. Baruch Hashem means thanks God for anyone that doesn't know. Um, I grew up and I cultivated, you know, my mind and everything. And today's day, I just, I just, I just love myself. I love the way my mind works because I've learned to use it in the right way. But it was definitely a journey. I can't imagine that that's simple as a kid thinking, you know, or even as a teenager, just, you know, it's, there, when you live in a small community, and the best way that I can think to describe like being religious on any level is that think of every every like stereotypical small town that you've heard of that they t- that they sing about in country songs. That's pretty like much Texas. what it's like. Exactly. Like, you know, some tiny little town in Texas where everyone knows everyone's business. That is what you know, the religious community is like, um, in, even if it's in, you know, New York city or it's a huge area. Um, and when you're in these insular places and you, everyone around you seems to be totally fine with how things are going and you have questions or you're just not sure, or you're just, you just don't want to do what you're told just because you're told it. 
that's that's a lot to carry as a kid. That's a lot to carry also as a teenager. Also keep in mind that we grew up, you could probably relate, we grew up in a different era. Not everyone had a smartphone. And now I know that, you know, officially Hasidish people are also trying to stay away from that. But in every second family, you'll find they, they have access right. to the internet. So it's a different world. Even if the child doesn't have access to internet, the parent does. So the parent is more open-minded. When we grew up, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. So everything was so much more uh, protected and insular. Right, right. Everything was so much more, exactly, just, just closed. And that, and when you're in that closed environment and you're different, it's, it was probably really lonely. Yeah, uh, I'm telling you. At a certain point, I hated everyone, and then I, then it went, then, then and then it just like I realized, I just hated myself. Maybe something on crazy or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, but so then, Hashem. right. But right now, with the way that your blog is set up, it is. I have to say, I am not someone who appreciates Jewish music. I will come out and say that. Um, I am very much someone who enjoys not Jewish music, and I like listening to country and pop and all of those things. Your feed still makes me smile. And the music that you always put behind your videos and they stick out so much because they're so different from what goes on in the blogger space are these super traditional, usually in Yiddish tunes that, you know, we kind of remember from growing up or just from hearing around and they just, they nostalgic. still just smile, right? They're so nostalgic um, and they're just so, they're just pretty and lovely. And I enjoy it. I'm sure that people who appreciate Jewish music more than I do enjoy it even more. And I'm sure that you faced pressure to be a little more modern in your approach to how you, you know, show your blog and show yourself and all of that. Um, what was that something that you dealt with? And what was like, what was that like? Um, I'll tell you the truth. I think I didn't struggle with that as much because when it comes to like music and stuff like this, because by the time I started Instagram, I'm um, on Instagram four years, something like that. Um, I was already, you know, I didn't start it as a teenager. Had I started it, it would, right. <laughs> if I would open my uh, Instagram page in 10th grade, it would have looked completely <laughs> different. Oh this my is God. a fun series. We should all put out, I want everyone now to just take a minute and imagine what their social media accounts would look like if they started them when they were in 10th grade. <laughs> that no, now I never thought about it this way, but I'm, I'm rolling because I think that people would not even think it's the same person. Seriously, I, I've been on a journey. Like people sometimes comment on things or let's say I'll comment and they'll say, what do you know? Like, I know. I, I appreciate a good Celine Dion song also. I'm not like stupid. Right. You're, you're aware of what's happening in the world. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just, I've learned um, to appreciate it. Was there a point when you were putting together your Instagram where you thought, where you went through a period of, is this something that I should be doing? Because in my community, people are not really um, in, like out in social media on this way. Is, did you think about that at all? Or was it just, I'm going to do whatever I want? So it was very, a very slow process. I didn't come out with a bang, like, okay, I am being this big influencer and like branding myself. It started as a hobby. I started just posting pictures of food and recipes. That's it. Um, I didn't even have my real name on there. Um, 
just like I wasn't comfortable yet. And slowly I got comfortable with the platform. I started putting out my real information uh, after a few months of posting recipes and my following was growing. And at the beginning it was just my friends and my friends' friends and my neighbors and my neighbor's friend. And then suddenly these people were following and I didn't know them anymore. And then it grew and grew and brands started reaching out to me. And of course at the beginning it was just, you know, little things like sending things for free. And, but then they wanted, um, you know, they wanted stuff. They wanted me to create a recipe for them. They wanted um, different things like that. So that's when I saw, you know, what if I'm if, if I'm being real, if this is going to be, you know, money making things, I got to put out my name. I got to open an email address. So that's when I put out my real name, my full name, opened an email address. Now keep in mind, four years ago there was no stories, so that whole thing, my face wasn't. I didn't post pictures of myself. Slowly, I think, I don't know how long I was doing it the first time I posted a picture of my face, and I definitely needed a push for that. But I don't think it was because of where I come from. It was just I didn't want to post a picture because I didn't want to be stopped on the street and recognized and stuff like that. Right. Um, Is that something that you deal with a lot now? Yeah, now I deal with it. But you know what? I knew to expect it, and um, it's fine. It's fine. It's it doesn't deal. I'm sure I'm, I, I know personally, I happen to really like it when people like stop me in the street. My no, I, I like when people stop. It's not that I don't like people. I like when, but sometimes I want privacy. Um, and, and that's harder for me to, um, get, you know, being that, uh, I'm such a public person, but again, I still like meeting people. I like what I do. There's no regrets, regrets whatsoever. Um, so that's what I'm trying to say. It was a very slow process and right. it's not like I just had this vision. I did not have the vision of where I am today when I started. I didn't. Wow. So there was that- no goals in place. By now I have goals already because by now I'm in it. I mean, not by now, let's say two years ago, I started getting very intentional, but the first two years it was just like seeing where this is, you know, I'm creative. I like adventure and it was just figuring it out. Right. Out of curiosity, did you have a job before you started blogging? And you then yes. You, oh, okay. Yes, so, I did makeup. I did makeup and hair. I did brides and stuff like that. And at the beginning, first year for sure, I was still, uh, you know, balancing both. Um, I started in the summer when there was less weddings from where I come from the community. Many go up to the Catskills, and there's not so many weddings, so I was sort of bored. So I started it then as a hobby. And then I was balancing it throughout the winter. And then at a certain point when it became serious, I'm starting to make some money, some real money. (laughs) I had to decide. I said, I can do both. I had a little kids at home. What am I going to do rather? And I picked this because I just felt like this is more exciting, more stimulating. And also it was easier with my schedule as a mom going to weddings and going to, you know, there's a lot of time. Also time, you have to like be there at a certain time, the evenings and stuff like that. And this you can, is more flexible. Right. You can do it. You can just do it whenever and do it. However. Mm -hmm. Right. That, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. So, and also now you run your blog as a business. It needs to be a business. Otherwise it's just, otherwise it gets ridiculously out of hand. And the one thing that I will point out is you are, like I said, you're so unapologetically you in the way that you um, in the way that you show yourself, in the way that you show your family, I have no idea what your husband and kids look like. Um, I, I have never- my husband is on. My, my kids, I don't oh, put no. on intentionally. Okay, your, your husband, my- I think I've seen on the Silk event page. 
Unmute. Whatever. He's not. He doesn't. He's not on like every right. day. It's but right. Like from time to time, I do. It's not I wouldn't a recognize him in the. I wouldn't recognize him in the street. Is my point. Like I wouldn't. I oh, wouldn't recognize. Okay. I, I don't think I would. Um, but then again, I'm terrible with names and faces. So that's, that's just... not a problem. It's not a problem. I'm just saying that I actually, my kids intentionally, I don't put them on. I want to respect their privacy, but my husband, from time to time, he shows his face. Not right. a problem. From time to time, he, he comes on and it's something that is like, I actually, I don't know if you even know this because I reached out to your secretary, um, or maybe I DM'd you and then you gave me her, um, email address. But a couple of months ago, I actually reached out about, um, promoting uh, about promoting impact fashion, and I was like, you know, I'd love to send Razie a dress, and you know what her rates are, and and all of this back and forth. And the the answer that I got back was a very lovely worded email that said, "Thank you so much, but Razie's not interested in modeling clothing. She doesn't want to put herself out in that way. That's not something that she's comfortable with." And I was like, "I totally get that. I respect that. That's totally fine." Um, I'm assuming that I'm not the first clothing company to reach out to you. Yeah, or makeup you're, company. You're or telling like me. That. Right. You're telling this to me now. And um, I'm thinking, I remember you messaging me. Um, and my second, I'm like, I don't remember what you answered. I was waiting to hear what you said. I was figured you said that because, yeah, every day, cosmetic companies, makeup, clothing, wigs, get it all the time. And um, yes, I really did make a boundary for myself and my brand. I just feel like once you get into the fashion thing, it just takes on fashion is such a thing it's a whole thing for itself and I don't want to get lost there not that anything is wrong with fashion I, I follow fashion bloggers I love to see I get inspired I buy things from their swipe ups um you know I get dressed every day right. but, <laughs> but um I just feel like I don't also I don't want it to be um I want my page not to be about me and about how I'm dressed and whatever Again, not that anything is wrong with getting dressed nicely, and I do like to. I love fashion. I love makeup. The way that you're comfortable putting yourself out there, which I totally yes, get. Yes, I it want it to be about inspiration, things that you can do, things that you can create, and I want it to be focused on that. So if I'm going to start with that whole other, you know, and it's sometimes sometimes hard. Many times I've got sure good offers, good offers yeah. for like people that were willing to pay. And it was hard for me. I was fighting with myself. Should I say yes? Should I say no? But like, I don't want to cross that boundary because if I cross right. that boundary and I hope I'll never have to, it's just going to open a whole nother world, which could be good, you know, money wise, but it, I think it's just going to affect my page in the direction I want it to go. Right. Ultimately, you have to think about when it comes to all of these things and, and also when it comes to life and just how you run your life, you need to think about what your own personal goals are. So I actually um, tell this to myself a lot when it comes to follower count. I'm not necessarily interested in the amount of followers that I have. I'm very interested in the amount of sales that I make. So if, right. you know, if one month I'll make a certain amount of sales with, you know, let's say 2000 followers, and then the next month I'll have 2,500 followers and make the same amount of sales. To me, those and that extra 500 followers, is it good for my ego? Yes, but I don't particularly care. It doesn't, you know, inflating the number for the number's sake is just not something that I'm interested in. Right. I don't know about you. I can't pay my landlord and followers. Like he requires. Right. Check. But and the 500 followers might have some potential clients. So, yeah, of you course. Know what I'm saying? Of course. And you build yeah. it up and all of that. Um, but I think that there's a lot of focus on just inflating the number for the, on number. the numbers. Right. And for me, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't, that doesn't bother. Like it, I don't, I just don't care. Um, and when it comes to the kinds of things that, that you mentioned, you mentioned that there were people who were willing to pay, which in, which 
implies that there are some people who are less than willing to pay, which we know is true in the blogger world. I'm sure that you've gotten so many offers to get paid in, you know, products or things like that, mm-hmm. which again, I don't know about you, but my landlord wants cash at the end of the month. <laughs> um, yeah. Was so there, does my phone company. Yeah, exactly. Everyone likes cash people. If you're going to give them a product, <laughs> then, and, and by the way, you should just know it's perfectly legitimate to say, I'm sending you this product for you to take a picture with it. Then you got to send it back. That's perfectly legitimate. Right. I, I've done that many times. Yeah, yeah. That's perfectly legit. And then pay people. It's important. Um, what was the process of, I'm sure that there was a process where you went through where you needed to assert yourself and say, you should be paying me. What was that like for you? It was a very big struggle. And I see, I think it's a struggle for everyone in this industry. Like anyone that puts themselves out as a blogger, influencer, or even not, even if they have a business, what happens is after you have a certain amount of followers, people will want you to promote their product just because you have an audience, you have the eyeballs. So, but especially if you're an influencer and a blogger and you want to monetize yourself that way, I have it all the time. Um, you know, people that are starting out or people that have less, less followers or just friends in the industry are always asking me about this. I think many people struggle about of this. And I always tell them, you know, it's all about your goals and your end game. You know, many people do do barters and stuff like that because for them, they, they are not doing it for the money. They're doing it as a passion, as a hobby. Their husband is making enough money. They don't need the money. So like, you know, whatever they get is, is, is right. just, They're happy you know, to get the free stuff. Yeah. Whatever they get is a bonus. Um, that, I think that's, a, that's the problem. <laughs> the problem is that there are so many people that don't need the money and are in this industry. So that's blurring the lines and that's confusing all the um, companies because then they're like, hey, she has, uh, you know, way more followers than you. And she just, uh, you know, I sent her the product. Um, I'm not going to go explain to the company that, you know what, this person is, because that's not how you go about doing stuff like that. But right. you don't want to say that the person is independently wealthy and is doing this as a hobby. I am paying bills. Right. But then, but then, but then as a, as somebody that's, you know, trying to find their way and figuring out how to do it, when you hear a comment like that, you start saying, oh, so maybe something is wrong. Not everyone looks at it the way I look at it. I see right away. Okay. So big deal. So she, so she did it for a bar. You know what? She, whatever. She's not such a serious businesswoman. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so that's confusing and and it messes with, with people's confidence because a lot of, uh, you know, new people don't know how to deal with it. So I think it's definitely a struggle. I've definitely struggled in the past, a specific scenario. I can't think of something specific right now, but I have a million stories. Um, Do you want to share one without names? I have to, I'm thinking what to share. Like I'm thinking of specific things. Was there something specific that you did that helped you say, these are my prices. This is what I'm worth. This is. Oh yeah, definitely. Now that you're, for me, this is a tip for anyone. For me, the easiest, this is the easiest thing is for me. I hired a secretary about two years. No, it was more than two years ago. Probably how long is she working for me already? Two and a half years probably about two and a half years. And um, now when somebody reaches out to me and they, they start like this whole thing, they're going to send me free, free, whatever. I don't know. Free potato chips. I don't know. <laughs> free potato chips. I'll take potato chips. <laughs> sure. Because I can't afford, you know, a bag of potato chips. So right. 
I'll do anything. You send me free potato chips. I'm dying for potato chips, and then I'm going to shout you out for the next life. <laughs> <laughs> no, so basically for me, hiring a secretary and transferring it over to her, she should have to deal with it. So for me, just not being the one to um, say, oh, I don't do barters, I charge this and this, and having a secretary take care of that, that just made it easier for me. This right. was this is my and also just not everyone can afford. Well, just having a secretary is adds a layer of professionalism that people right. might not be expecting. So in a way, right. So first, besides the professional, for me was just to make my life easier. Now, not everyone can afford it, but I just want to put it out there that it doesn't have to be like a whole fancy office and a secretary. Um, my secretary started out just working from home and just like getting paid, you know, per hour, and it wasn't a full day. So you know, just doing the PR parts for me. And then she connect people. The thing is people want to speak to me, right? They don't just want to talk to it. So what I do is the secretary, uh, somebody reaches out. The first thing is like, I don't even say like, it's a barter. I don't say I don't do barters. I'll say, just like reach out to my secretary, um, give the information. They reach out to my secretary. She, um, writes an initial email with like the initial information, the starting price and like something like if it's within your budget, I'll set up a consultation with Razy. And then if the person, you know, he sees, you know, what it's, you know, what, what it's going to take about, you know, like just a range. And then if they're interested, then I get on the phone and then, and then we connect Then I'll WhatsApp with a client. I have no problem, but I just don't want to deal with this whole back and forth of like people that are just not even interested in making it worth your while. And just it's going to be like, so it's, it's been, it's been you know, not pretty in the past sometimes. I've had stories where it was like, oh, you're so, you know, do a mitzvah, do a this. You know, not everything is, you know, people would tell me, not everything is about money. Um, yes, you know, but it is it's my job. Right, 100%. But I don't like job. these arguments. I don't right. like this whole situation. So from when I hired the secretary, Baruch Hashem, like I've been dealing much right. less with this whole thing. Right. That's, that's actually a really, really great tip. And also it doesn't have to be a hired person. If you are someone who is interested in going into blogging or being an influencer or something like that, get your friend to do it. Just have it be someone, right. not you. Right. Or that's even, a great idea. even better, find a, find a friend or connect with another blogger and do it for each other. So that, that is brilliant. So that right. you can switch. That's a really great way to remove yourself. First of all, Everyone says business is not personal. When you are your business, it is personal and it will hurt you personally. There is no way around that. Yes, you can grow a thick skin and I have certainly gotten a thicker skin over the years, but it's very, very difficult to, when someone says they don't like your product or they don't like your prices or they don't like the way that you're, you know, the way that you're set up, it's very hard to not hear, I don't like you. And removing right, yourself from 100%. that. Miles and miles for your just for your own sanity. So yeah, see if you can figure out a way to to remove yourself from that because at the end of the day, people who do a job deserve to get paid. And being a blogger and doing and it, yes, it takes time to build yourself up, but what you do is a job and you should be paid for it. Um, and I'm 100% positive that after this podcast come out, I'm going to get an influx of people who would like to work with Impact Fashion and bring it on. Send me an email. <laughs> uh, that always happens every time I say that because um, it is somewhat of a radical idea. It's an unusual opinion to hold sometimes among companies. I want to go back to the way that you're, um, the way that, that you got to, you know, you said it was a slow process when you started sharing recipes and getting more into lifestyle and all of that. What, how did your first client come about? 
And what was when you, you said that you do, you know, the marketing and all that, when was the point when you were, when you were like, okay, this is no longer a hobby. This is going to be, this is going to be my job. Like, and what was the mind, the mindset shift that needed to happen to, to, to make that work for you? Okay, so you asked two questions. First of all, when my first client, um, I don't remember my first first, but I remember like my first restaurant that I reviewed. <laughs> I also remember how much I charged, <laughs> <laughs> which is pathetic. I'm not even saying. Um, and then I what was the restaurant. I what? What? Which restaurant it's not, was? It's not open anymore. It's not oh. open anymore. But it was like a cafe in Brooklyn. It's called Cafe Leia, I think. Sounds um, nice. Whatever. Right. She wanted me to come over review and stuff. And I gave her so much for like a hundred dollars. <laughs> it wasn't just a one-time thing. <laughs> um, That's whatever. okay. I, I sewed my first custom dress for $150. It took me over three wow. hours of work. So yeah, I believe you. By the way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like I'm not, I think, I think it's, it's smart. You can't just, you know, start right. off and, you know, you got to start somewhere. But exactly. um, I also remember the first major food company that I worked with which was Mahadran was like the first like big company. I had some little companies, but like big, and um, those were my first. So that's to answer that question. When did it become intentional? Not, it's uh, a good question. I would have to like look at my, you know, invoices to see when it was, <laughs> I would have to look at my data, you know, to pull right. it up. Was but probably like about a year and a half in or something like that. Okay. That's when I, saw that um, I need to choose when I had to make the choice to drop the makeup in here and not accept any more clients and not accept any more, you know, book anything. Um, that's when I said, okay, so we need to replace that income. And then also uh, three years ago, we moved to like when I bought a house. So I needed, you know, more money. So right. all of that together, all of that together made me become super intentional um, say no problem we're going to shift to this but now we have to figure out how to better monetize this and and then slowly slowly we we got into I hate the way I say we I slowly I <laughs> it's something that I do all the time also. No, the, no there is we there is we because I do have a team but still it's it's me I made the decision my team didn't make right. this decision I made the decision so but I always say it and so many times I record stories by the way and I'm like we and then I'm like, who's we? It's me. Who's we? So I just yeah, no, it's it me. and I repeat it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wasn't this we that we're talking about? No, and it was so funny because what I actually started doing was that intentionally, I used to say we because I wanted to make it seem like there were more people. I wanted it to be like there was because this was when I first first started my company about three years ago. Right, fake it till you make it. And exactly, and I was like, so we are going to go to the office and we're going to you know deal with all of these manufacturing <laughs> issues. And the office was and still is in my parents' house. The we was me and. I don't know the people um, and, and, like it was just so ridiculous. And then finally the, uh, the one time when I said, you know, I need um, the one time when I said, I said it out loud, like, by the way, everyone, when you see me going to my studios in my parents' house, the amount of like, of people who were like, that's so fabulous. That's so great. Like people were even more impressed that it was just me doing it. And I was like, Oh, I think we're going to stop faking that. There's more it's so funny. You know, why it's so funny. Cause there's, there's two extremes. Um, meaning to say there's some people that they're going to try to make it right. Something that it isn't we, 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 we to a very extreme level. And then there's a very extreme level of also like I do everything self-taught, 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 hashtag self-taught, hashtag uh, one man band. You know what I'm saying? Like they're so proud that they're doing everything. I don't want, I think either one is, 
is not good. The balance, if you can have the balance, that's perfect. Right. I think you have it. I think, I, I, mean, think, I mean, from whatever I, I see. Right now I have a team, um, which I have to say. It's not about what you have. It's about the mindset of what you want to put out there, how true right. you are to yourself. It's funny because now I have a team and people think that I don't because um, most of what you'll see on my social and on my emails or whatever, uh, pretty much everything that goes out into the world. So like anything that you'll see on social, anything that you'll see from an email or from my website, all of that I work on personally. And I sign everything, you know, from Rifki. And then people don't realize that, you know, I have a graphic designer and I have someone who manages my advertising and I have someone who- You could talk about it. Designs. I could, I do sometimes. Honestly, I, I don't know, it, it just, I forget or- the things that other people do are the things that are really, really behind the scenes. So like, I'll talk, I'll talk with and about Michelle Moses, my graphic designer all the time. Oh my God. She's amazing. She's, she's amazing. Michelle Moses. Yeah. I didn't realize that she, that you work with her. I've worked with her in the past for a few projects um, yeah, that I outsourced. She, uh, she is like, I think that not enough people know about her. Like, I think that like, it's like one of the hidden gems, like, you right. know, the secrets. Yeah. I met her as a friend first. Through, I don't even know. I think one of the shoots that she was doing, I sent a dress or whatever, and we connected through friends. And then I was like, oh, right, you do this. And I looked at some of her work and I was like, this is great. Sent her a couple of things that I needed. And, you know, and she put together a whole launch for me in like a day and a half. It was amazing. She's um, so professional. Yes. A, a real pleasure to work with her. Yes, agreed. Shout out to Michelle. We love you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, what I want to know from you also is that you, so you, you, you become intentional about it. You create this business and you are the business. So, you know, it's, it's Razy's cooking. It's Razy free. It's your face. It's your, it's your ideas. It's your everything. Mm -hmm. You're the one going and, and doing everything. Does that ever get overwhelming to feel like you always need sure. to? Sure. Sure. I did, by the way, I did try put taking myself out of the equation. Um, I actually never shared it on Instagram. Maybe I should share it one, one day, uh, about two years ago, yeah, about two years ago, it just everything got too much. And I was doing a million things. So I was trying to commercialize it and it did become commercial. That's why it didn't work out. But um, I had somebody helping me like develop, let's say, certain recipes. Or let's say I would develop a recipe, but they would cook it and they would photo shoot it. And all I would do is just post it, let's say. Um, um, especially with the content on my page, I was trying to, you know, divided through my team. And I definitely had a, a bigger team then. Um, the reason it didn't work out is because people want, I just realized that what, what made me successful in the first place and what, it was just me. People want to work with me. People don't, like, not that anything was wrong with, with the other people. or It just didn't, I'll give you an example. Okay, it was from both ends, by the way. It was from the marketing end and from the blogging end. So from the blogging end, um, I just found that, you know, at a certain point I was posting recipes, which I didn't even try. It's, it's really embarrassing. I don't even know why I'm saying it, but I am saying it. <laughs> We've all been. I, I just posted recipe. I would get questions, by the way, um, about certain recipe details. I didn't even know what to answer because I didn't try it. I, I tasted it, so I knew it was good. I always made sure to taste it because it has to, but I didn't cook it actually. So I would go and I would cook my cooking, I would call my cooking assistant and I'll say, okay, so one minute, how long did you leave it in the oven? Do you really, you think she can make it in that pan? And it was just so crazy because I was so out of it. And that was from the end of like, also like you didn't see me in the kitchen making it and my passion towards it because it just wasn't there because I was doing other things because I was trying to become bigger and bigger and bigger and, and do more and you know 
So that from that and from my end, I found myself doing basically all the things that I don't like and all the things that I used to love, like cooking and photographing and all the creative stuff I was outsourcing. So it just at a certain point that just crashed and I just found myself in a completely different business. Like I started out, I started this out as a hobby, right? Just, you know, being in my kitchen, creating, taking pictures. And I love that process. But when you try to grow and as you said, it became overwhelming, everything being me, it just, whatever. So that wasn't that end. With the clients and social media managing, uh, let's say I had a client that I used to go into the stores, take the videos. So I used to send, I had another assistant, not a few assistants. One assistant would go and she would do the videos, right, for the client right. on their page, right, their thing. And the client wasn't happy. They liked what I used to do. They didn't like what this assistant did. Um, again, not because she wasn't good, but because I just have that style. And I can't even, how much I tried to teach it, I couldn't. You know why? Because when I go into a store, not always do I, sometimes I have a plan, but usually it's just, I don't know. I just, it just, you, it it just, just comes it's just you. something, a talent that I have. I, I Just from God, it's, it's something that I can't even explain. So what happened afterwards is like I cut down on staff. Um, I realized, let me get back to doing what I love. And I just started charging more, accepting less and charging more. That's when my prices went up. Um, and I do charge more than a lot of people in the industry because I want to do what I love and I want to do it myself and I want my clients to be happy. I want my page to be me and, you know, everything I should be involved and in. I should know what I'm talking about. And, um, that's that. That sounds like a great system. Yeah. But I definitely had that whole, I had a good, a good, like almost a year that I was just running in circles. We always talk about that year, my husband and I, we just like, it was just so crazy. Oh my God. Everything was happening by the way, everything on a personal level and on a business level. Like if let's say uh, I had a family wedding, right? Everything was still perfect. Like the kids looked right. perfect tiptoe, but you know what? I couldn't shop because I was busy doing so many things. I had my secretary. I said, oh, I want black velvet shoes. Can you just search black velvet shoes? And she would go and she would shop and she would buy black velvet shoes. I'm telling you, this was ridiculous, okay? Yeah. It gets, everyone, <laughs> and, everyone gets to that point where they just realize that they're up a creek and they don't even know how But they I think, by the way, some people love it. Why did I do it this way? Because that's what I was advised to do from all the big – I would look around and look at all the business women that were balancing and doing it all. They all had hired help. So I was like, okay, forget about it. Do I want to, I still want my kids to look good. I still want that perfect look by the wedding, right? right. Um, I still want it. Okay, can I go around looking for that perfect black velvet shoe to all the stores? Can I sit and browse on the internet now an hour and look for it? No, I can't. So I'll tell my secretary to do it. And that's what happened with my whole life. Everything was outsourced. I had a personal chef cooking my yumps of meals because I'm busy working, so I can't. Basically, my whole lifestyle changed, and I wasn't happy with that. Some people are happy with it. Some people hate cooking you know, from to begin with, they didn't like cooking. So this is perfect. Now they're making enough money and they can hire somebody to cook for them. That is fabulous. But I love homemaking. I like being present. I like being the one that shops for my children. I want to be the one, you know, reviewing and cooking the things on my page and know what I'm talking about and posting the things styled exactly the way I like it because I enjoy doing it. Not because I'm a control freak. You know, sometimes I would think, oh, you don't have to be such a control freak. And I would try to, it had nothing to do with control. It has to do with passion. I want to do things that I'm passionate about. I'm not interested in just everyone doing everything and I'm just being the puppet that's just jumping around from meeting to meeting. 
I, I, that that's the way it was. Right. So everything looked perfect and everything was running, but it just wasn't me. Right. So I just learned from trial and error, really everything, trial and error. And I think it's important. I think I, I don't regret that year because I learned so much from it. I learned about myself. Right. It's also you, you realize that when, when things like that happen, what ends up, you know, becoming true is that you you realize like exactly what you said you realize what it is that you're passionate about you realize what it is that you are that you're good at and then you just do more of that and if it means you need to charge more and do it less all the more so you have more time with your family you have more time to do the things that that you really want to do i want to i want to leave off with um with one last question and that is you are someone who is very you're very you, you know, you do the things that work for you. You do the things that you love. What is something practical that you think has helped you be able to be more authentically yourself in, in your business, in your personal life? What is one tip that you think anyone could uh, walk away with? Hmm. I'm thinking. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you can think. All the better. Um, you know, by the way, for me, um, I learned, I learned that the things that were making my page successful and were the things that were true to me. And I learned that just by putting it out in the world. Like, it's so funny, but looking back at the last year, let's say, there were so many things that I did that were off the charts, not something planned. Like I did, let's say, um, different things at home, um, just a random thing. Um, create a sign for my son's yeshiva, his school. Um, the Rebbe asked me to make a like a sign. He wanted a certain sign. I actually used to make signs, and I'm very crafty like that. But I didn't deal with octagonal all that stuff for like years and years. And I said, you know what? Let me do it for fun. The kids. It's such a nice experience for them to like see their mother creating this and then taking it to school and hanging it on the wall and knowing their mother created. It's like it's, it's a nice feeling. And you know what? For me, like just like let me do something different. And I created it and I decided, you know, let me take, while I was doing it, I was like taking some videos and then I took a picture of the final project and that, that post blew up. It went viral. And I wrote in the post like about, you know, doing things that you're passionate about, old hobbies, stuff like that. And that was just one example that showed me. Now it's funny because the tip didn't come from me. It came from my audience, but it just showed me that I was looking at this post after I was like, why did this, why does this have so many likes? Wow, it's just a stupid sign, like of parachutes cut out of oak tag. This is not like a recipe. You know, there's recipes that okay. I work on hours for, and it's not so So, and I was just like, because you know what? Nobody is doing this. Why is nobody doing this? Because nobody's me. Right. And then I just started getting inspiration from, from moments like that. That wasn't the first moment, but that's something that I remember now. Moments like that where I was like, I'm telling myself, like, do what you want to do, like be yourself and then just share it or don't share it, whatever it is. That's, you know, as far as a blogger is concerned and see, see how it goes. And I think the same thing is with marketing and pitching ideas. Like sometimes I think my ideas are like, maybe it's a little too homey, maybe it's a little too nerdy, maybe, but then you know what? Sometimes the clients appreciate it because it's the view of their target client, a homemaker or, or somebody within the community and, and, and so out of the box. And, 
You know, we're so fast to label our own ideas uh, because we're looking at what other people are doing. But sometimes our own ideas are not nerdy. They're refreshing. They're different. So I think it's, I think it's not being afraid to put the things out there to pitch your ideas, how crazy they are. The worst case, they say, no, we don't go for it. Then you'll think of another idea. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. As if you, if you never ask, then the answer is automatically no. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. And, and I'm loving it on my page as well. Like a lot of things that I do on my page is like just things that I, that I just love doing. And right. those things just are usually And it shows, successful. it shows that you're having a good time. It shows that you're, that you're just genuinely enjoying what it is that you're doing. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Razie. If somebody wants to learn more about you, where is the best way to be in touch? I think the best way is Instagram, Reezy's Cooking, R-E-I-Z-Y-S-C-O-O-K-I-N. That's my page, and I'm on their stories usually daily, and loads of different posts and different things, the shenanigans. Thank you so much for that, Reezy. Um, we are going to link your Instagram in the show notes. If you are on an iPhone, then you can swipe up on the cover art to access all of that information. Um, but I want to know from you, Razy Freed of Razy's Cooking, in your personal life, in your business, in the way that you conduct yourself in the world, what does it mean to you to make an impact? I think that an impact, I think that an impact is inspiring people, is leaving people with something to think about or a smile on their face or something they want to try or something, just anything, an impact, just changing it. You meet a person, the face is blank. Are they going to, you know, whatever you're going to say, whatever you're going to do, is it going to make them think? Is, them, is it going to put a smile on their face? And that's really what I try to do when I share content. I really try, um, before I post, sometimes, I, I, you know, you know, sometimes naturally you'll just go and story something really random. And, like, I'm going to think, is this going to educate, inspire, or entertain people? If it's not one of those three, three things, there's no point in just spamming people with just nonsense. So I always think like, is it going to inspire in any way, um, entertain or educate? And I think those are the three things that leave an impact. That is so fabulous. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Razi. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's really, really, really been a pleasure. Um, I don't even feel like we did a podcast. I feel like we just schmoozed. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> that means we did it right. <laughs> yeah, and I feel, I feel actually invigorated to the day. Like, um, it's actually middle of the day now. It's like 2 o'clock. But still, the last half an hour, the last uh, hour till the kids come home, there it's you been go. good. It was really good. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. There's a link to Razie's Instagram in the show notes. You can access those by swiping up on the cover art. To hear more episodes, subscribe or head over to impactfashionnyc.com slash blog slash podcast. While you're there, feel free to check out what's new in the world of size-inclusive modest fashion. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review with something you learned from Razy today. If you're not in the mood of typing, a quick rating also makes a difference. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.